it like I'm clear. It's today talks right here. We gon' talk about it right here. I'ma talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real quick. Cause it's today talk. And I'ma talk about it. Yeah, cause it's today talk. And I'ma talk about it. And welcome to the Tanae Talks podcast, the podcast that educates and entertains, the podcast where you come to laugh and, of course, learn. Today's episode is brought to you by 810 Taco Seasoning. That is 810tacos.com. If you want to spice up your Taco Tuesday night, then make sure that you get you some 810 Taco Seasoning. Sure to be a hit with all friends and family. Spice up your life and spice up your taste buds with 810 Tacos. It is packed with nine powerful ingredients that are low in sodium and high in flavor. Please visit 810tacos.com and put in code TANAY and you'll get 10% off your entire order. Don't forget to go to 810tacos.com and put in code TANAY and spice up your next Taco Tuesday night. Today's episode is featuring a returning guest and friend of the show, New York Times bestselling author hailing all the way from Philadelphia, PA, and an HU Howard University alumni also known as the real HU, Mr. Omar Tyree. So welcome to the show. Well, welcome right. back to the show. Now I got to take myself off mute, right? Can you hear me? I can hear you. <laughs> You're right, looking good. good. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little tired. I was up at this uh, hip-hop producer event last night in Charlotte that was cool, man. That thing was awesome. It had a great ending. Crazy, man. Yeah, so I was up late. That well, you look good. You don't you don't look like you just rolled out of bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to keep smiling so I don't look tired. So I'm keep smiling, but I'm not tired now. Just that you know, I had a late night, and now it's football day here. So we are, we're gonna do it. So we got to nice and early before football. All right, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna roll into it. So today's episode to my talkers out there is about what happened to black literature. We know that Omar Tyree is the king of African American literature, giving us those rich and powerful stories about African-American life and just making us all feel like we were some fly girls. I want to give a little bit of stats on African-American literature. Um, African-American literature became prominent in the second half of the 18th century, um, for those of you who don't know. And <clears throat> It is important that we celebrate Black literature because right now, according to a survey done by Lee and Low Books, only 5% of books in the industry are written by African-Americans, which before the 21st century, especially in the 18th and 19th century, leading into the 20th century, um, Black literature was prominent. Um, and I just want to read this quote. It says, Black authors um, are especially important in a world where voices of Black storytellers have historically been excluded from the mainstream media. And Omar Tyree is working extra hard so that we don't become extinct in this literary world. So Omar, talk to us about it. Tell us what you think about what is happening with black literature and why it's um, historically been excluded and why it still continues to be uh, 
Um, well, you got you got me curious because you were saying it was you know more prominent you know during the other centuries. So you didn't give us any numbers. You said five percent now, but I'm wondering what those numbers were back in the day. You know, I'm I'm assuming that it was less books. Period. So if you have any books when there's less books, there's going to be more of a percentage. Now there's a hell of a lot of books, mm -hmm. and so now you got a hell of a lot of books. Now you're looking at black percentages versus more books, then it could end up being smaller. So that's the first thing I was thinking, you know, when you, when you start talking about the different centuries, yeah. you know, you didn't hit me with the numbers so I can understand the comparison <laughs> of okay. now versus then. Well, according to Lee and Lowe, yeah. 76% of books written are by white people. 74% are from cis women. 81% are by straight humans and 89% are by the non-disabled. Um, 3% are biracial or multiracial, not identifying as black. You know, I guess people are getting away from the one drop rule. And then it says, um, it also says that uh, only 5% of authors in the publishing world identify as black in, in an industry where 70% of publishing staff Review journal staff and literary agents are white. Mm -hmm. All right, seventy percent. All right, and we got five percent. Mm -hmm. All right, okay. Well, you know, the, the issue again is that we like to listen to stuff and watch stuff. You know, so during my era of the '90s and the early 2000s, it became a cool thing for Black folks because we had a woman on TV that was pushing it. Her name by the uh, Oprah Winfrey had the whole Oprah book show thing. And so, and then black bookstores really popped out and then it became a hot popular thing for black authors. And then we traveled with tours. So we got a lot of our people to come out and come to our events. And then it became this whole thing, you mm -hmm. know, of black authors. Uh, I think social media and reality shows took it away from us. I used to get at least 20 different events a year, speaking at colleges and book clubs and, you know, tours and all that kind of stuff. And once we hit like 2006, it started going down. By the time we hit 2009, we had a minor recession when Barack Obama was president and a whole lot of bookstores closed up, a whole lot of chain stores closed up. And mm -hmm. so then bookstores were reeling from that point on. Uh, and of course, with blacks getting more into social media and reality television shows, you know, people that were already challenged to read were even more challenged. And so then I couldn't even get I haven't had a black history speech in probably five, six, seven years. You know, we used to get February. I used to do six to ten events every February, yeah. you know, with Black History Month. And once 2009 hit. Man, that went down to two and three, and now it's zero. I don't think I've spoken in Black History Month in like five years, you know, maybe seven years, you know. So it's just we're not as important uh, as sexy, as popular as we used to be, you know. So, of course, that's going to take a toll on the writing. If we're not out there, it's not popular, then you're going to have less people doing it, less people supporting it. And that's where we are right now in year 2023. But I'm coming back to it. So, you know, I got a new book coming this year and then i'm gonna do a book every year so i'm gonna stay in it but i have to write books that are really powerful and are mm -hmm. film related books so everything i'm writing now are big powerful film related books i'm not going back to the fly girl thing i'm, I'm too older than that yeah, I'm not <laughs> you know we gotta get some young new young person to write that so i'm writing adult content that's going to really connect and be uh film relatable content yeah <laughs> 
I love that you that you brought that up. Um, I work in, in my full time job um, that powers Tanae Talks. Um, I work in higher education, and as you mentioned, these Black History programs. Even I've seen a change within the last 10, 15 years on what those look like. It seems like with an uptick of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, that's the, really the buzzword around town, which is DEI. And yeah. it seems like um, it appears that the African-Americans are trying to be more palatable um, to other races instead of honkering down during these Black history programs of really highlighting us and what we yeah, have guys, going on and you these know these guys started they started talking about this post-racial america and, yeah, I mean, like, and i'm like really you really think we're in the post and then if you think <laughs> listen think about the music now mm -hmm. we have a whole lot of young black musicians wanting to be pop stars and rock stars yeah not rapping r&b souls so you got to hear what they're, they're trying to cross we used to call that corny you mean you're trying to cross over you know what i mean <laughs> only michael jackson was the one that was really but you know he still was relatable to black people but he yeah. was the king of pop everyone else was trying to do black rap music black soul music r&b we wasn't trying to cross over yeah. now the black children they want to be pop and rock stars and so yeah this whole post-racial america has definitely added to that whole feeling of i don't want to be looked as black i just want to be american and, <laughs> and, and i'm like okay and that's what happens when you start doing that that's what happens you end up disappearing into nothing and that's Ooh. what you're talking about now Mm -hmm. That is so powerful, Omar, that you, you're right. It's like the dissociation of Black, as if Black is a stain or Black is bad or negative. And we've been fighting this idea about ourselves at this point for centuries. We are beautiful. We are Black. We are talented. We are rich. And to your point of the children wanting to cross over into pop, um, there's a podcast out there with a tank the singer songwriter tank called R&B money. And he talks about how they um, co-opt our music, things that are our, that is really, that is really truly R&B, but they'll put the pop moniker <laughs> and, and then erase us. So you're saying like, we're disappearing. It, it seems like in all the genres where we dominate, it's disappearing. And, and as I was mentioning, mentioning to finish my statement about um, in, in higher ed and these programs washing us out because we don't want to not seem like we're inclusive when in reality, we've been excluded the whole time and the, our voices and our music and our writing, even in our dance needs to, our way culturally needs to be pushed forward so that we don't get pushed out. So Omar, what you talked about, you're going to be writing different books. Uh, a social, this is not, not in the same vein as Fly Girl as you have grown and as you have evolved. So this, in the food world, they call it farm to table, where they're taking things right off the farm and putting it on, on the table for our consumption. And you mentioned that you're going to be making more adult literature that is straight from the pages right into the film world. So from pay from the page to, to the cinema, how are right. you doing that? And, and how, what are you doing to amplify more black voices so that our stories and our narratives can be heard in our way? 
Well, you know, I got a new two book deal that I'm starting with this first book and then the second book. I don't know what I'm going to write yet, but it's going to be another big film idea. And uh, for the most part, you know, they don't actually don't even do tours anymore. You know, I just signed this do do deal and I, I was excited to do a tour like we used to do where we do anywhere from 10 to 18 cities, you know, and immediately the publisher said, well, we don't do tours anymore. They don't they don't really work anymore in a social media era. And I wasn't discouraged by it. I was actually excited because just because a book book uh, publisher says they don't do tours, you can do your own tour. They're cool with that. They're just saying they're not paying for tours anymore. So now I'm like, okay, I'll go out and get sponsors. I'll go out and do my own tour. But I got excited because now that means I have no competition with touring because mm -hmm. we used to have everybody had their tour month. And so I couldn't tour during, you know, Eric Jerome Dickey's month or Elin Harris because then we'd be crashing against each other. Yeah. So I had to wait to tour outside of them. Now, if nobody's touring, I'm that dude. So I'm like, all right, that's cool. I'll be the only one with a tour. The problem is now you got to go out and get sponsors and people that back a tour. And typically they don't back black intellectuals. We're the hardest ones to get sponsors. You know, now the, the sports and entertainment people and, you know, literature some people look at it as entertainment, but it's still on the intellectual side. So they, we, I have never had a sponsor to do anything. And so that's going to be a challenge to go out and get sponsors and then do business deals. But what had happened is that I can now do events outside of the bookstore and then give the sponsors some kickback from the book sales. You know, so what you do now, you buy books at half price mm -hmm. and you go out and do an event and then you give the sponsor 25% of the book sales. So they can actually get their money back while sponsoring me. And so we're going to put that together. And then with the whole film thing, I'm going to start reaching out to black actors and producers, even when the book comes out, that we want to talk about the book being a film from inception. Then we can ramp up the hype of the book tour and ramp up the sales, which helps the whole book going into film because that's what they ask all the time anyway. Well, how many books did it sell? You know what I mean? So we're always being punished off of book sales to mm -hmm. take our books in the film when they have the original screenplays that nobody even reads. But they don't get published for numbers. Nobody read Get Out. Nobody. But it becomes <laughs> yeah. this super movie. But I get punished because I only sold 300,000 of Leslie. Well, that's 300,000 times how many 300,000 people allowed other people to read that book. Maybe a million, you know, read. And right. then we're talking about the people that typically don't read books. That's a lot of book sales. But they don't look at it that way because they'll judge you with somebody like Stephen King who get three million. Well, again, like you said, 70 percent of their audience, they're reading, they're buying. We're never going to be able to compete with a Stephen King with the readership as low as we had, and then we're still a minority when you start talking about the mass numbers. So mm -hmm. I'm never going to have average numbers of, you know, these white booksellers, you know what I mean, that sell these huge numbers. A thousand copies is a lot of books for the African-American community, and if you're doing a film, it's going to cross over to people that don't read books. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's funny how they immediately look at my books like, only 200,000 people are going to go to the movies, right? Like that like that makes any sense. Like, <laughs> right, like they have right. a direct core. It doesn't make any, but that's how they judge us book people. And so I have to get that out of their head to say, look, dude, I have never read a Harry Potter book. 
but I've been at all the movies. There's right. a lot of women who have never read Marvel comic books, but they were at all of the movies. Yeah. They have never read the Black Panther, but they're at the movies. So stop trying to judge the audience based off of book sales. I understand that you can say, well, the popularity of the book is there, but you can't go number for number when you know good and well people are like, well, I ain't going to read the book. But if you put mm -hmm. it in the movie, that's all day, particularly all men. Think yeah. about men. Men aren't reading books, but they'll go to the movies. You know, so it's like it, it, once we get past that, and I'm going to be battling that whole issue of book sales versus film sales and marketing. Uh, but, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Put together my own tour, get a sponsor tour, and start reaching out to Hollywood actors and producers from inception. So I'm already doing that before the book is even finished because mm -hmm. we want to get that extra push in social media, in the regular media, all outside the stores and inside the stores and keep pushing it toward film because that's where we're going to get the extra promotion that we need for the book sales and for the story to be executed as a feature film. So I'm already working on that. Do you feel like the the publishers, we, we know that they're, uh, you know, according to the stats that the publishers are historically and presently white. And you talked about the whole social media thing where they're saying, we're not going to pay for you to go out to the, on a tour to um, meet people. And eat. I feel like when you go on a tour, that's also another way to gain more readership. Because uh, if I'm a if I'm a book fan, I'm going to bring like three of my girlfriends with me who may not have read your book, but I'm telling them to come. So now they're intrigued. And then you're selling books right at the event. So my question is, do you think that these publishers are also checking for author social media to see how many followers they have, how many likes that they have, you know, basically trying to make everything be the same. Like with music, you got to have 10 million followers and readers. And, and I don't think that is a fair assessment because like you said, a lot of readers, if they're readers and they're not uh, social media users, they're going to be reading. They're not going to be online as much as a person who's not reading as much, who has all the time in the so, world to be online. And so, and so you're bringing up the issue. How do we allow readers to know that we have new books out if they're not on social media and you can't get anywhere near radio and television now? Because if you're not a reality show star, if you're not a rapper or an athlete, they don't want to hear nothing you have to say now. So we used to have problems pushing. I remember some of the last interviews I had on radio. I had to force myself, and I've always been a great interview. I had to force myself at my own alma mater. WHUR is a Howard University radio station. Those guys tried to push me off air like, hey, man, we overbooked. We don't have space for you. I had to show up anyway and beg myself on the radio. They were going to give me three minutes. End up giving me 15 minutes. I had a standing room only crowd after that interview. You know, so now if we can't even get an interview, publishers are looking at that and saying, why am I sending you around 10 cities when I can't even get you a radio interview? I can't get you on television. So that's the problem. Social media is now the new stars. And so if they're the new stars, everything is going through social media and we don't have the numbers. I presently have 9,000 Instagram followers, right? Yeah. I have sold 3 million books, 3 million books, and I have <laughs> 9,000. So it, it, it doesn't equate. It doesn't equate. It and doesn't. so I have to now build up that audience again with sponsors and people helping me to push the word out. 
And that is the problem. If you can't get the word out, they're looking at it like it's a waste of money to try and send you out there. But I have to flip the head on that thing and go out and get my own sponsors, get my own money people and say, look, if I'm the only guy doing it, then I become Mr. Special again. And so that's what I'm banking on right there, that I'm the only one on the book tour. <laughs> so now Omar's the only one. He's going to be the one that draws the people back to the stores. And that's what we have to bank on. That's mm -hmm. what I'm going to be working to do. I love that. Omar is out there, y'all, and he's about to bring Black literature back. I think another issue that's going on with Black literature and people not picking up a book, uh, particularly, is what's going on nationally. Um, the nationwide average for literacy uh, for adult literate people is 79%. 21% um, of adults in the U.S. are illiterate in 2023 and we just crossed over so and 54 percent of adults have a literacy of below sixth grade level so wow half you, of them half of them so do you think people are into i was having this conversation uh with a friend the other day and um he was saying how he was scared to read um, because of the embarrassment as he was growing up, you know, in elementary said when yeah. um, when someone caught when a teacher called him up to read, he would always make an excuse. I got a, I got a book. I got a book called 12 Brown Boys mm -hmm. where it, immediately I have a story. I have 12 stories in there, all brown boys. And that's one of the stories where the guy was called up. And I understand it because I was in those classes, too. I never had a problem reading. But I understand it. You know, you get in front of the classroom and they making jokes and stuff. It's mm -hmm. and you're nervous as that. So definitely. And I have a book that actually did that in this world because I understand that as a, being a young black male. So that is actually 1000 percent true. Yeah. yeah. So well, what so what are some of the things that, you know, that teachers can do, African-American teachers and professors across the U.S.? What can they do to kind of push um, for students to want to become literate, to want to become authors again. You know, in, in my generation, um, I'm a millennial, but a lot of my friends have written books and we were inspired by the Omar Tyrese. We were inspired by the- Well, they got to bring us back in. They got to bring us back in. You know, they if they bring me back in, no kid is going to be bored by me because I'm an energized person. I'm still an athlete. I'm still very aggressive. You have to bring. They will not be bored. I understand. But I haven't had, like I told you, I have not been invited to places for the last five to seven years. <laughs> we're going to change so we're that. we're not doing that now. We're, you know, we're going we to change create, that. Yeah, we have to create the budget to bring the authors back in. So these kids can be, you know what I mean, around us and hear us and say, wow, I want to do that. But if they're never around us, they never see us, they never think about us anymore, out of sight, out of mind. So the, the way they can change that, bring Omar Tyree back in, make me the most popular dude on the planet, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll get people following back into writing. That, that, you have to do that. Everything is about popularity. There's no way of getting yeah. around that. They have to know what it is that they can do before they want to do it. Yeah, you are so right. So you you mentioned the budgets. I work in higher ed. My husband works in K through 12 and the budgets are tight. I mean, yeah. the budgets are this. Exactly. Even, even in um like some of the, you know, the black clubs within institutions, they're, you right. know, based on the overall institutions, other entities will be funded as opposed to, 
once, you know, targeted. And you also talk about, you know, you are a very lively person, Omar. You you right. reel the people in, you're passionate, you know, people draw into you. Uh, but like I said, the budgets are low. And so right. when people do want to bring in an Omar That's Tyler, always a problem. They're, That's they're all, all, and, and I can't get a sponsor. If I had sponsors, you know, now we have money in the black community. But we love spending it on jewelry and cars and furs. And, you know, we got the money now. We got, what, like six new billionaires, but they're all in sports and entertainment. You know, okay, we got the okay, Beyonce. Okay, okay, Omar, let's JC. stop right there. Six, got it. six billionaires. We're... What what is the community gonna do with six? We we can't we can't base what we do as a whole on six six individuals. It's not about just them. It's about a lot of us having more capital, right? Yeah. And not utilizing that more capital for a community purpose. You know, so it's not we, just we about gotta those be community six minded. We do gotta be community minded. And we're not. But back we're to not. I wouldn't say that we're not. I would say some of us are. And some of us aren't, and the ones who have money that need to be more. Because <laughs> you, <laughs> well, know, it, you it know, don't matter if you're. Because that's the we talk about all the time. The people that don't have money are pro everything, but yeah. you don't have money to push anything, so you, that doesn't change know, anything. We be trying, <laughs> but to your point, walking through the halls. Um, when I was when I was in middle school and high school, we'd be literally. I told you this on the previous episode. We be walking through the halls with Fly Girl. We're like, are you on this page? Did you do that? And now when you walk through a high school or you walk through a middle middle school, this, cell phone. This yeah. is it. But we yeah. we were we were walking around with Fly Girl. We yeah, were walking changed. around with just say no. We were Let me tell you something. I had a movie uh, meeting, two movie meetings on Thursday in Atlanta. And they are telling me you can't even do a two-hour movie now because the new generation can't sit. And I'm like, dude, stop it. Stop it. They are not going to walk out of Fly Girl if it's more than two hours. So they're trying to get me to, to do a derivative, basically, of Fly Girl because you can't tell the whole story in less than two hours. But they're telling me you're going to have to because nobody's going to fund a two and a half hour movie. And I'm like, dude, you're giving up on these kids. They are not going to get up and walk out of the movie. But if that's what the money people are thinking, then they're buying into this low attention span. Yeah. So this is where we are. This so is let's where get we into, are. Let's get into attention span. First and foremost, on my day straight, what the kids say, they capping right now because all the Marvel movies are like 87 hours long. And we sit there. <laughs> not only yep. do we sit there and watch the movie in its entire we wait after the credits roll. Avatar is three hours. Easter egg. Avatar is three hours. So I just explained to black people. These are black people I was having meetings with. Omar, they're not gonna, I said, dude, they are not going to walk out of the movie. There is no boring parts of Fly Girl. Not Zero. Now, so I said they're not going to walk girl out. Fly Girl was popping from beginning to end. And we but still, they still want to know what's going on with Tracy. But they still have that issue. And so now I'm looking at it, if I'm going to get it out at all, if I can't raise my own money and I have to go through with someone else, you're not going to get the fly girl that I want to give you. And that's an issue. That's, an that's issue. a big issue because, Omar, we've talked off air about the vision you have for Fly Girl, and I know it's going to be fly. Uh, but you talked about attention span. So let's talk about that. According to research, 
Our attention span has increased decreased in the last right. 15 years. Right. In, in the year 2000, which was 23 years ago, oh my God, that's insane to say. Our <laughs> attention span was 12 seconds. Now, 15 years later, guess what, Omar? Our attention spans has shrunk and we're at now at 8.25 seconds for attention spans. So this social media is basically dumbing us down because everybody want to do a 10 to 15 second reel. They're saying if you don't grab the people um, within the first 10 seconds of your reel or your content, people are going to go to the next yeah. one. So we, we got to switch up against. That's what you're up against. Up against. But not in movies, not in movies that they've been waiting to see. You know what I mean? So, again, yeah. I'm going to tell you what that is. That's people trying to do a deal on their money. So they're like, look, dude, we're going to spend less money for the movies. We're going to flip it more. We're going to make more money. They don't care about the art. And that allows you to dumb things down because the money people are dictating. Right. What happens now? Again, I'm not saying you can put a boring movie out there where they're, you know, yawn and stuff like that. But I understand what Fly Girl is. It ain't no boring movie. So you have to understand what the content is when you're presenting it to the people and then put your money where your mouth is accordingly. But everybody wants to get a discounted price and make more money. And it was ridiculous. Like, no, you get what you spend for. You know, make it the effort to go after it. I want Fly Girl to be a hundred million dollar movie maker, but they have people that's like, hey, if I make twenty million, I'm good. So they dumb it, they not dumb it down, but they pull it down where the expectations are very low and yeah. mine are very high, and that's an issue <laughs> because now you know I end up putting a movie out that I know is is less than what I want to put out. It's sixty percent, seventy percent of what I want to put, out. and then I have to defend that. So I'm all already in a quagmire because I don't want to defend the movie that I know is not what I wanted to present to you because I had to deal with the money people who are only thinking about the bottom line yeah. and not the art. And quality art can increase the bottom line and make more money. But they quality don't, they have art to trust can increase to the bottom line. We got to get back to the <sighs> arts. Our artistry is yeah. amazing. Look Mr. at Kyrie, it. I'm going to bring up something else. Amazing. We're talking about film and movies. How about the songs that are down to two minutes now? These kids are putting out two-minute songs. It's you know killing I, me. And I'm talking about they got one verse and a half and two hooks. And I'm like, what happened to the three verses? What happened, what happened, to, happened the to the bridge? Oh, it's gone. <laughs> so, we, I mean, we're talking about books and film. But, I mean, the music is like, are you kidding me? That's a song? <laughs> That's where right. we are now. That's where you we know? are now. So, so Omar... Um, we got to close it out right now, but just give me your final thoughts on what we got to do uh, to to bring our voices back to the forefront and to the limelight, not only through literature, but through our music, through television and film. Give me your final thoughts on what I, we I'm, I'm one of the last survivors now. Sadly, Elin Harris passed away. Eric Jerome Dickey passed away. Michael Bazin is no longer on the radio or writing books. You know, Terry McMillan is no longer out there. Oprah Winfrey's no longer pushing books. You know, it's like, wow, I'm like the last dude here. So now in the position I'm in, we have to invite the old head, Omar Tyree, back to the schools, back to the radio, back to television, invite me into the film world, all of that. And I have to get more followers on 
Only one Omar Tyree on Instagram, Omar Tyree on Facebook, Omar Tyree on Twitter, Omar Tyree's website. And then I'm going to keep pushing my brand, HotLavaEntertainment.com. Yeah, so, you know, I'm the last survivor right now. And, again, you know my personality. I'm not a meek, soft, you know, quiet. I'm, I'm going to push it. And so you need to get more push behind that. And then I know individuals coming under me who are going to be the same type of personalities that can push literature forward again. But it's going to start with me because I'm that dominant figure. The name is there. The product is there. And I'm coming back into the book world with the hot property. It's called Control because everybody wants control now. It's a psychological thriller and mm -hmm. it is powerful as I don't know what. And it's based in Atlanta where it's like the new black Hollywood down there in Atlanta. So I'm based it in Atlanta and I'm going to definitely push it. I'm looking at uh, Gabrielle Union as the star of the vehicle, if I can get her involved. And this is why it works. Gabrielle Union's camp will, will be hesitant. What if the books don't sell? What if the, this is Omar Tyree, the book <laughs> is gonna be off the charts. So if I could get, this is how it works. Gabrielle Union has the numbers. She has the popularity. She is a star. She has Dwayne Wade next to her, who is good friends with LeBron James. You do that kind of deal where she does the audio book. She starts talking about the film even before the book comes out. She goes on a couple tour packages with me. Now we can get the support we need, and she's going to make money off the audio book and the film because she's helping me to do that. So you know you got to cut her a check and a percentage of the money. But when her people, if her handlers say, well, what if it doesn't work? And they say, oh, we have to let you do it first. Now I don't have that support from inception. I don't have that muscle from it. We have to stop doing that and have more faith from the bottom up. And that's how we have more control instead of waiting for the check later on. You have to build it. So if I'm able to do that with Gabrielle Union, Women's Control Vehicle, that I have her set up to star in and do the audio, if she could say yes, that would push this thing so much forward. And that's going to be the kind of thing that I'm going to try and do. Synergize the sports, entertainment, and literature world where we all push it together to get what we need to get back out of our children and reading. We love it. So you heard it out there. Jordan Peele, if you're listening, Gabrielle Union, Dwayne Wade. <laughs> if you can, if you just LeBron James is getting in the entertainment James, world. And whoever. they have the money and the power. And, and, it's, and it doesn't, and I, I got a name, so it's not like you're pushing to nobody. But right. that's what they do all the time. What if it's not successful? You can make it successful. What are you talking about? That's like saying, <laughs> think about it. Dwayne Wade and LeBron James both played basketball, right? Mm -hmm. And you hadn't done it yet. You had to do it. It's the same thing here. Get on my team and push for the championship. Don't say we're going to wait and see. Throwing this gap, if you're gonna wait and you make it happen, and so it's just like a sports game you get in the game and you want to win. And we go, all right, here we go, here we, we go, go. Win. so I want to thank you, Mr. Omar Tyree. Thank you for being a friend of the show. Thank you coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you for energizing us again. That we got to get back out there, that we got to amplify our voices, that we got to write the stories that speak to us because what speaks to us speaks to the whole world. Because we have been pushing, pushing the culture, we've been setting the tone, and we're going to continue to do that through television, books, 
Media and Film. Thank you so much. Again, Today Talk is brought to you by 810 Tacos. Go to 810tacos.com. It is filled with nine high-powered seasonings that are high in flavor and low in sodium. Visit 810tacos.com and put in code Tanae. Get 10% off your whole or entire order. Don't forget to, if, if you want to get some nostalgia, don't forget to go to hotlava.com. Uh, hot Entertainment.com. Yeah, yes, yes. Entertainment. And get with yeah. the old head. He has music and poems and books. He has everything you need. It is your entertainment central. So visit hotlavaentertainment.com. Support the old head, which is Omar Tyree. He is black literary royalty and he dominated in the 20th century. And he's going to continue to dominate in the 21st century and beyond because he's going to inspire a new, a whole new generation generation of readers and writers and uh cultural uh black culturally relevant information we thank you omar and again right, give us your social media handle so that they can follow you and know where to find you instagram is only one the number one only one omar tyree and you'll see me in my hot lava red and black and then everything else is just Omar Tyree on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, and my red and black. And then, of course, Hot Lava Entertainment, YouTube, and my website, hotlavaentertainment.com. I'm pushing that to a tilt. That's going to be my brand for music, film, books, live events, and everything else I do. All right. Omar, don't forget when you get this movie off the ground that you give me at least a role or a cameo. Oh, that's automatic, man. We all got to promote it. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a nice evening. And is it go Eagles today? Football day. Yeah, you know I'm a Philadelphia. Eagles got to get that <laughs> win against New York. It's Philly against New York today, baby. And we got to take New York down. <laughs> Philly is up. You know I got to represent PA because that's where my grandmother is from and my great-grandmother. Right. So shout out to the Eagles. All right now. Peace.